How's it going, my friend? It's going all right. I uh, I recall our last talk about the warrants when we did the louder harder. Yeah, and and that's why I was going to make that comparison with Jeff and going, hey, you guys worked together on that album, and I'm sure you've known Jeff forever, though, right? Even even back to the Lynch Mob days. We've known each other a long time. Uh, we met when I was recording the Lynch Mob record at Keith Olsen's studio a long, long time ago, obviously, back when I was 11. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we were kind of peripherally say, hey, you know, exchange pleasantries. But it took until the Ladder Harder Faster record for us to just, you know, be in a room drinking coffee, making a record every day. Uh, and he and I spent the lion's share of time in there doing that, you know, at Jeff's wonderful studio. And that's where the uh, friendship really came from. And that's the impetus behind all of this stuff we're talking about today. Amazing segue. Yeah, loving it. The End Machine, the album is out now, the self-titled debut album. And, you know, everyone keeps trying to say, like, oh, well, it's, the, you know, three-fourths of Dawkins lineup. Is it going to sound like Dawkins? To me, it doesn't sound anything like that. To me, it sounds like a kick-ass rock band with a great rhythm section, great vocals, and then, of course, uh, some great shredding mixed in there, too. But it just sounds like a, a modern-day rock band to me. You wear your influences and everything you've done on your sleeve, unless you try too hard, in my humble opinion, maybe not so humble all the time, to change it. But uh, it's also three quarters of Lynch Mob. Anybody that can do fractions knows that, too. So, you know, why didn't everybody talk about, it's Lynch Mob with Jeff Pilsen pasted on it, instead of, <laughs> it's talking with Mason pasted on it. Like, what do they do? Like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. In any case, we're grateful for it. We're guys that get along really well with each other and have a common goal to just make music we're proud of. I mean, everybody's going to have an opinion. I don't begrudge anybody their opinion, good, bad, or indifferent, but I've been super pleased so far. I mean, have you seen, have you watched uh, any of the three videos like on YouTube and go through the, the comments? You know, save for a couple of people that just want to have an antithetical opinion. I've been unbelievably blessed to have overwhelmingly positive responses on social media, the YouTube videos that Frontiers puts up, all the stuff that we hear from friends and fans. My phone is going nuts. So I'm super surprised in a good way, like really happy. Yeah, I'm loving it, and and I think that your big reason why I think the the vocals are the thing that really jump out to me in listening to the album is your vocals are strong, and and was kind of curious with all the different ingredients coming in together for this band. How long did it take to to actually do this album? Did you kind of chip away at it, or did you guys lock yourself in a room and 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 knock it out? Eleven days, Mike. Eleven days. Wow. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It took me eleven days. Uh, I cut eleven lead vocals. What I would do is we all handled it during our respective and days off, either apart or in common. Jeff, obviously, you know, in Foreigner works a ton. George is in, I don't know, 37 or 38. <laughs> this might be the 38th band George is in. Right. I'm kidding. He, but he does, you know, he comes, does great records, but he does them and either at whatever studio or at his place or whatever studio, his own place. And he, like the KXM records, I love those. Like, he yeah. does so many cool projects. Uh, it was kind of like... You know, getting us all together in a room is uh, like it's about as difficult as getting a personal audience with the Pope, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a way, because we're working so much and we don't even see each other in airports. We're like all over the place. It was George and, um, and Jeff would work on the raw musical ideas and kind of just left them alone to, you know, to do that. And I'm always writing lyrics on airplanes or if I'm inspired by something or if I see something anywhere in the world, you know, in, in our travels flying around doing warrant gigs and I'm, you know, sitting in hotel rooms and I constantly have kind of a, a backlog of material of what if, what if this could be a song? What if that idea could be a song? And those guys would send me emails with song files. I'd listen to them, kind of absorb them. Sometimes I went in blind. 
we cut 11 songs, and then there's always a bonus track. We did a an acoustic version of one of the regular tracks as our bonus track for the Japanese CD. Oh, very cool. And very final. So I know I can't wait to get one of those. It actually has the bonus song. We did a, an acoustic version and a different interpretation of a song called uh, Burn the Truth, which is one that I'm super, super proud of personally. And Frontiers didn't choose it as a uh, as one of the two videos we did, but they chose it as a, a lyric video for YouTube. So that was kind of cool. Very cool. to see cool. that kind of fleshed out, you know, see the light of day, which is really cool. But yeah, I would fly to Pilsen's, hang out with him. We'd made a str- make a strong pot of uh, Pilsen brew coffee <laughs> in the morning and start with nothing except an instrumental track. You know, by that time, George and, and Jeff had tracked a bunch of stuff, make it come in and tracked a bunch of stuff. I, I, I remember doing one or two, not even to live drums. I mean, it was kind of a, like a drum machine framework. And George and Jeff wrote great parts. And in, they'll even admit, I think, I think Jeff's even said this too, they wrote so much. There would be a glut of parts, or parts would go too long, or there'd be several bridges in a song. Or, and I would sit through those on any given day, one of the 11 days I was at Pilsen's house. Right. And we start in the morning with a good coffee buzz, <laughs> and then end at the end of the day with one completed song, background vocals, lead vocals, the whole thing, done. And then George would come in and fill in the little raves and, you know, little solo parts and bits in between what I was singing. So I just show up with Jeff and sit there in the morning, okay, this is what I'm thinking, this song, this is what I'm inspired to do, what do you think? And we got along so well that we'd so often be like-minded that you can blast through an entire song until you're done with it, you know, at that day. That's awesome. That's a long-winded way of answering your question. <laughs> I thought it was Jeff doing a lot of the backups because there are some some other vocals in there, especially like on the uh, the new video that you guys dropped the other day for Leap of Faith. I do a lot of them because this band has the advantage of having Mick as a singer as well. So I love cool bands like you know, gosh, like Humble Pie and, and Grand Funk Railroad. That would there would be true singers, and there would be multiple singers in a band. Jeff's an amazing musician, a smart guy. Mick is an amazing drummer and can sing background vocals like all Get Out as well. So in building these songs, I would always think towards the pre-chorus and and chorus, how our three voices are going to blend. And then Jeff is great at that too. Jeff's so musical. And we would just sit down in the control room and map out the three parts. I'd cut a bunch of them and definitely say, get in there, please. And put some (laughs) of your voice on there, Jeff. And we would bring Mick in to do as well. So that record has the you know the unholy triumvirate of our three backing <laughs> vocals on there as well as as you know some solo vocals yours truly so yeah no that yeah. really comes comes through i mean your your strong vocals but uh, like you said a lot of those those choruses get thickened up by everyone else chipping in and here's the real question for you are you nervous i mean first gig coming up here on thursday april the 4th at the world famous whiskey go-go do you get nervous anymore or is it just another show Mike, I'm terrified. No, honestly, I'm really not. I mean, come on. I get to play, albeit very short, we're doing these three shows. As you stated, the whiskey is that Thursday night. And then before I know it, we're going to be in Vegas. And then on Sunday, we're going to be in Tucson. But uh, I'm loving the fact that we get to start right there. I mean, that place is full of history and tons of DNA if they ever check, I'm sure, <laughs> as well. But, and I'm not really a germaphobe. But who, you know, um, who could only imagine... Let me ask you this, Robert. No, nervous? No, we're going to rehearse for a few days and go and, you know, blast it out. It's a rock band. Let's see what happens. Possibly go wrong. 
how are you going to fill out the set list? Is it going to be just the debut album in its entirety? Are there going to be any covers, any classics? How, how do you fill out the set list for this one? A lot of people have framed that question similarly to the way you have in interviews. <laughs> and for those three guys, I, and I'm, you know, I was a Dawkins fan. I guess I, I, I am a Dawkins fan. So being a young guy and getting in Lynch Mob and doing that, and then knowing Jeff so well as I do now and, and the whole Dawkins connection, I mean, we're a brand new band. We're going to play our fair share of songs from the End Machine record. But, right. you know, we're going to throw our DNA around. You know, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to show people what we're doing. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sweat on the people in the front rows. So we're just going to do our show. There's going to be, I'm definitely thinking there's going to be some docking and Lynch Mob in there just because, because I, I wouldn't, if I was a fan, I wouldn't want to go see us and not see a couple of those songs as well. I'm proud of the whole End Machine record as a whole, and it, it's got a common thread, but it still feels diverse enough to me. I mean, I had no objectivity while making it. Jeff and I thought, this doesn't sound like docking. No. Gonna, you know, on one hand, you know, this doesn't, I guess parts of it sound like Lynch Mob and Dokken. And now I'm, I'm reading a lot of these comments. And among the, the funny ones, did you, okay, did you see the Leap of Faith video? Uh-huh. Okay, there's, there's a great comment. It says, what's with the clown makeup on Mason? Here's the thing. <laughs> I, no, I love the comments because I'm like, cool, you have an opinion. So what? I have one too. Guess what? I think you're an idiot. Now, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Better things to do with your it's, time. It's fun. Well, you know, I want to look through them. I, I love hearing all that. That's, that. that's the one wonderful thing about the Internet. You can get absorbed in it yeah. and and feel real hateful and bitter about what people say about you. But come on. <laughs> it's a great big wide world. And now I get, now somebody gets to flex their keyboard muscles oh, and put send on their YouTube account to, you know, so they can feel important for a few seconds. Cool. And, you know, I like the praise and I like the, the constructive criticism. But fans are saying... I don't know what they were talking about in interviews. This sounds like Dawkins, or this sounds like Lynch no. Mob. I guess they're right. But when you're making a record, you're so myopic, and I don't have the objectivity to get outside myself and go, oh, yeah, no, I guess fans are going to, you know. So initially we were saying, shit, it doesn't sound anything like Dawkins. But I think we, we can't wallop everybody over the head with every song of a brand new band live. I would love to do a couple of those other songs. Jeff and I are working on the set list as it as we speak. Awesome, man. Awesome. And, you know, I wanted to also get us caught up on Warrant. What's going on? The new album's been out for a while now. We're still touring behind it. What's what's going on in Warrant world? Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking. The Louder, Harder, Faster record, people still seem to be embracing. We're doing a couple of, of songs live from that record. Plus, you know, all the, the songs tried and true Warrant fans know by heart. I'm grateful and, you know, humbled all the time. We, we just went back to... Uh, a place in New Jersey and played where I actually, the venue was a very, it's a very old venue, uh, Starline ballroom. We got a show there and I thought, okay, go, going back to Jersey. Like I grew up, I was born in New York and raised in New York, New Jersey. So I spent my time between the city and the suburbs and, you know, billion people come out of the woodwork and all that. But the warrant thing, the train keeps a rolling, man. It's 30 years since dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking rich came out. Yeah. So this is officially our agent, present agency, you know, trying to market the band, uh, dubbed it the Dirty 30 Tour. So this, <laughs> that's what 2019 is. And we're doing a bunch of songs in succession no, in, in running order. If you have Dirty Rotten, you know, the first like seven, eight songs, and we do them right in a row. And then fill in, you know, some other stuff. The others. And it, it's a cool theme. That set list, I'm pretty proud. Joey Allen put the set list together this year. It's like, 
I was suspect the first couple times we played it. We played it through one or two gigs, and we all just sat around going, wow, this, this flows pretty darn well, considering you're doing all those songs right in a row from the band's first record. And it's cool. You know, the nostalgia aspect's cool for me. Oh, yeah, because that's how we used to listen to records or cassettes back then in their entirety and, and just press play and let it roll through. So that's killer that you guys are doing that on the on the live stage now for everyone and, and celebrating the 30th anniversary of that amazing debut album. You know what? It's a testament to the fact that the songs were well-crafted and the band can still get out there. And, you know, those guys are my bros. I mean, I've known them since 91, I think, Lane and I met and became fast friends in the clubs. And I was just talking with uh, a friend who, I think Mark Slaughter had said something, the same thing about us all hanging out at FM station. Like when I was totally green kid, you know, making <laughs> my first record out in LA and just going, this is going to be fun, man. And then, you know, Wayne and I got to be friends. And that was the reason why uh, Lynch mob supported warrant in, uh, in like, you know, bigger venues in 92. So those guys have been my friends ever since. And, uh, it's 10 years down the road, man. It's blood and road and sweat, brothers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And continued success with that band. Just before I let you go, I know it's only been technically a few hours, but ha- have you seen The Dirt? What are your thoughts? Twice. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I-, I absolutely liked it. Obviously, people are going to pick it apart for the for their perceived historical things. And I got to give Nikki a ton of credit, man. I mean, everybody in the band, I like everybody in that band. I can recall the first time I met those guys, brand new, once again in Lynch Mob. I think Anthony Esposito and I went out someplace, and Nikki and Tommy were buying us drinks because we were. I was brand new in Lynch Mob. We were out in L.A., and it was like the little Electro Records family. Cause it was, I think it was at the time it was Motley, Metallica, Us, and Faster Pussycat. Maybe were like the only four rock bands on Electro Records. Wow. At that at that time, you know, early '90s. Right. So, dude, those guys were so cool to us, and. We'll laugh over the fact that I cannot tell my how I met Tommy Lee story then. So, but I thought Colson, the guy that did, uh, uh, people know him as Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, he was killer as a as a tech, as a guitar tech on the on the the show Roadies that did like one season. Oh right, right. If you know that show, uh huh. And but he was the best choice for Tommy because they're yeah. both. I mean, everybody's everybody's. I mean, if you watch the YouTube stuff, I thought he did an amazingly good job on that, and he became. And, you know, you even hear some of the stuff, that, the inflections that he used, the way he said stuff. Just like, dude, that's Tommy. He it nailed like, it. Honestly, you know, I know all four of those guys. Not incredibly well, but, you know, I've had wrestlers, with, like I said, got to give credit to everybody. And I know Doc, too. So, you know, I've been kind of a degree away from that circle for quite a while. But it was really cool, man. It's good, you know, entertainment. Hey, let me ask you this, since you do know those guys, the one the one thing that I thought kind of jumped out at me was kind of the guy you never hear from in that band is Mick, and I thought he had some great, you know, one-liners kind of throughout the movie. Is is Mick that funny in real life? Is he a funny dude? Honestly, honestly, Mick is a funny guy. I I was down, uh, I hung out with him when he moved to Nashville after, after Motley stopped playing, like after the end of their last shows, I guess he moved down to Nashville, and uh, we hung out a bit a couple years ago when he was trying to... Uh, figure out what he, what he really wants to do. And I know he wants to write songs. And I, well, he was writing songs, he still is. And he's looking for the right singer. And he and I spoke. And I went down to jam with him in Nashville and just hang out for a few days. First off, the guy's an underrated guitar player. Yeah. I think. I agree. I, I, sat, you know, I sat in his house in his room and like, you know, watched him play and he had him play me back demos. And such a cool guy. But you're right. He was like the, 
the silent, you know, they portray him. They they make it as old, you know, Mick's older than all of us. Right. The whole thing, and he was like the stodgy, the stodgy old guy when they were all <laughs> teenagers or whatever you think, you know. Right. But uh, he is a funny guy, hanging in there, and you know, bless him with with the health concerns he has, and it's it's a it's kind of a it's a crappy card to have dealt to you, but he's handling it, and you know, he deserves. To, I can't be his singer because I'm already in. What? How many bands am I in? <laughs> like you know, twenty seven. But I know. Come on, that's Lynch. So, and by the way. Hey, George is, George is acting like he's singing background vocals in Leap of Faith. Now, that's not fair. That's Except not him. I'm going to officially call out my guitar player and see if he gives me a hard time about it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Starting beef. If you look at that Leap of Faith video, he's acting like he's singing. That was me acting like I was singing. We're all lip syncing in videos. <laughs> of too. course. But he's really lip syncing. I try to really sing sometimes just to kind of get... So I feel like, um, I don't know, does everybody do that? I don't know. <laughs> you have to actually sing. Thank you so much for all the time, man. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks. Online at KCALFM.com. Adios.